0: Episode 5, the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast, the podcast for the everyday coach, where each week we interview coaches, sports industry experts, and leadership gurus to mentor you beyond the X's and O's on your quest to achieve peak performance in your personal life, professional career, and with the teams that you coach.
1: But what really made a difference was when I started looking at how I could leverage my own personal success to create significance for other people. Like that was a game changer. How could I use my platform of success to bring other people into the conversation and create significance
0: for them? I am your host Christian DeVries, and I am excited today for our guest, Shane McKenzie. Shane McKenzie is the vice President of Leadership Development for Upward Sports the world's largest Christian youth sports organization. And I know he's just going to bring some great value to our listeners today as he talks with us about his 19 years of experience as a strategic leader at the executive level. Shane is a member of the John Maxwell team, an executive director with the John Maxwell team, and is known as a leadership transformational coach. He currently lives in South Carolina, and his son is having his 16th birthday today, And he's been married for 24 years. Shane, welcome to the show. What did we miss? What can you share with us?
1: Christian, thank you so much for letting me be a part of the podcast. I'm uh, I'm totally delighted to be here with you and with everyone who's listening today. I'll tell you one thing uh, one thing that you missed that not a lot of people know about me. Uh, being from the South, I'm a huge NASCAR fan, and uh, and my favorite driver is Dale Earnhardt Jr., who I am terribly disappointed did not win yesterday's race in Talladega. But uh, that's a, that's one thing about me that that not a lot of people know about. <laughs>
0: That's great. You know, uh, having lived in Alabama for a number of years, I didn't get into the NASCAR. I was a big SEC football fan. So do you get into the football also, or is it the NASCAR, the fun thing for you?
1: So you're hitting on two losses for me this week. Not only did Dale Jr. not win, but my (laughs) Auburn Tigers lost as well. So yeah, I'm a huge SEC fan, but I really, I really root for the Auburn Tigers.
0: Yeah. Great. Well, Shane, we're, I'm excited to have you on the, on the podcast with us today. Uh, you and I have had a, a number of conversations. I know you've actually, uh, uh, you, know, you and Boyd banter back and forth quite a bit uh, with some of the John Maxwell calls that you guys get on, and so I know you're just going to bring some great value to us. As everybody knows, our first half, we like to talk about mentors. We know that mentors matter. They help expand our visions. They help us see further and stretch our horizons. And most importantly, they help us uncover those blind spots that we have. Shane, we'd love for you to share with us one or two of your mentors that you've had in your life, and how do they help you grow through the mentoring? Sure,
1: I'd be glad to do that, Christian. I think the first mentor that comes to mind is a lady by the name of Brenda Corbett. Brenda was an executive coach that I actually had the uh, the privilege of working with back in 2009. And it was really through my conversations with Brenda that I I began to understand what blind spots were to really know what it's like to have other people see things that I didn't see in my leadership. I remember one conversation Brenda and I were having where I had specifically asked her in our coaching time to focus on one topic. And the topic related more to her and the way in which she ran her executive coaching business than than it did with helping me solve some problems. And through that conversation, I began to talk about myself. So imagine... I had invited you, Christian, into a conversation where I wanted to ask you questions about you. That was the setup. You came in with that kind of an understanding, and, and here I came with a lot of questions about me. And Brenda, Brenda let me go on for probably 10 or 15 minutes where uh, where I was talking about myself, and then she stopped me and she said, "I want you to not say another word, and I want you to think for a minute about the purpose of this meeting. Why did you invite me here?" And I said, "Well." I invited you here because I wanted to learn more about your business and how you run it. She said, now, reflect on the last 10 to 15 minutes. How many questions have you asked me? I was like, well, you know, five or ten. She said, well, how many of those questions have been related to the purpose of this meeting? I like, none. And she said, this meeting is over. If I can't trust you to be able to tell me what the purpose of a meeting is and for you to – and for you to actually deliver on that then then we don't need to meet. And it was then boy Christian that the first time that I really understood what it meant to be consistent in my in my words and my actions. I I had a habit of letting people know that I wanted something uh, that would invite them into a conversation, and then using them to actually try to achieve my own agenda. And it was the first time that someone had actually called me on it, to be able to help me be able to really see who I was. And it changed everything for me. It really caused me to think from that moment on about other people and the way in which my business behavior affected them. So that would that'd be, that'd be one, of, one of the big lessons that I learned from a mentor.
0: Well, uh, Shane, I, I just, I wrote down a, a couple of things just in that short little snippet that you sat there and said is, um, what she taught you, first of all, is before you go into the meeting, think of what the purpose of the meeting is, you know, it's so important uh, you know, as a coach with our athletes, You're going into a session. What is the purpose of your session? And if you change focus of the purpose of your session after you tell your kids what the purpose of the session is, you're doing a disservice to them. And then trust the purpose of what the session is and to be called out on that – that's what a, truly what a mentor is, and in your situation it was a coach, but you counted it as a mentor. Trust what the purpose of the meeting is, and I love the fact that she actually called you out on it. As mentors, that's part of what our job is, is to really, really challenge our mentees um, and where they're at, where they're going, and if you're not doing that, you're actually not doing your job as a mentor. Hey, how about another one? What, and with this one? Why don't you share with us a lesson that you still live by that resonates with you from another one of your mentors?
1: Yeah, I think uh, another one, another lesson that I've learned just from, from my mentors, uh, and, and this one comes from Mark Cole. Mark Cole is the, the CEO of John Maxwell's companies. And, uh, and, and this lesson was was around the reality that my content – Absent of your context is meaningless i I know that um that many times in in working with people i have I have an agenda that I want to help them accomplish that that uh, fits into a bigger picture that they are a part of, and so I'm tempted to be able to come with my content absent of their context. So you know what I'm saying? Like I, I come in knowing this is an objective we need to achieve as a team, and, and I bring that objective to the team with a, with a way in which I believe we can get to that. But the times that I'm most effective is when I identify with their context before I bring them my content. Because I've, I've found that if I just come with, with my content, uh, there's not a connection that I make with the team in order for them to really have buy-in on what's valuable about my content. And so, so Mark has helped me really be able to see that. That first, I have to understand people. I have to understand what is most important to those people, and help help them be able to see how the direction that I wanted them to go serves those purposes, not just my purposes. And so, I've I found that to be a beneficial lesson from a, from another mentor.
0: Another another great nugget you just dropped there. But I want to I want I want to dig a little bit deeper into that, Shane. It's easy to say that, you know, I, w- I want to know what their contexts are, and so I, it, when we've got to put our own mindsets aside, what are some of the ways that you go about it? What's that next step that you take that you're making sure you're getting into their world in order to bring your experiences?
1: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it starts with clearly defining what the problem is. So, for example, if, if we're working with a group of athletes, um Sometimes we can identify, we can we can identify an incorrect uh, problem. We can miss miss, you know. We can we can move from. Uh, sometimes when we're working with an athlete, we can miss what the true problem is. And so what I've found is is Christian, if I can if I can help an athlete define what the real problem is, uh, we get much we get much better we get much better results. So here's what that looks like practically. There are times where I bring my ego into the equation. If we have a team that's that's recently suffered some some pretty bad losses, if I bring my ego into that conversation, then then we miss what the real problem is. So I found that the more that you can separate yourself from the problem, the more you can actually invite people in to help you solve it. And and that's where if you can get other people to separate themselves from the problem, the greater potential they can bring to solving the problem with you. The problem isn't people. The, the problem is the problem. I found that problems don't have emotions or feelings, and if we try to solve problems with emotions and feelings, then we, we can get off track.
0: The problem isn't people. The problem is the problem. I, I think we're going right, to mark that one down right there, Boyd, and uh, with that, let's, let's go to halftime. Okay,
2: halftime. Usually what happens when a team goes into a locker room, they're looking at uh, how they performed during the first half, what changes and adjustments need to be made for the second half. For us in this podcast, it is about helping others perform in their second half, or if someone's received a second chance, how to better better perform and uh, make things happen uh, with the chance they've been given. So with that, Shane, there's a few questions. We're going to try and do a speed round here, and I'm going to wrap off four questions, and you just give us uh, give us your answers here. Number one question is, if you could recommend one book, what would that book be, and why do you recommend it? Hey, thanks, Boyd. I, th- I think the book that
1: I would recommend is Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. And the reason I'd recommend that book is because i I truly believe that egoless clarity is a leader's best friend. When a when a leader can walk through failure and remove him, remove his or her ego from the from the conversation, that leader is going to see the lessons from that failure that will help him or her be better tomorrow. I think also uh, this book is another another way for a leader to be reminded that the purpose of leadership is not for accomplishment on the leader's end, but on the follower's end. The more that you and I can help people become and achieve their best, the more effective we are as a leader, and, and that requires that you and I remove our ego from the
2: conversation. Now, number two question, what's your favorite quote, and who's it from? So there is a, uh, a man named
1: Lauren Wolfe who wrote The Bible on Leadership. And I think his quote on what leadership is uh, is, is probably one of, if not the best, definitions of leadership uh, that I've heard. And, and really, he helps define leadership effectiveness with this, this quote. Here's what he said. The ultimate test for a leader. Is not whether he or she takes decisive action, makes smart decisions, but whether or not he or she teaches others to be a leader and build an organization that can sustain its success even when he or she is not around. Well, I didn't get all that written
2: down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would that have to rewind. To, that is a yeah. yeah. That's a that's a great one, and. Uh, That's one to uh, listen back over and over on this podcast just to make sure we get that one down. And uh, the third question for Halftime is, what personal habit or ritual do you follow every day that contributes to your success? I think
1: there are are three things that I try to do on a daily basis that I believe um, help me win as a leader. Uh, Number one thing that I do every day is I I read. I read, uh, I read books on leadership. Uh, I read uh, books on on people and how to work effectively with people. So, so reading to me is an important thing. I think uh, a leader grows when a leader reads. The second thing I do is I don't just read for the sake of gaining knowledge. I read with a purpose, and, and that's my second point is to reflect on what I'm reading on a daily basis. I want to reflect on how what I'm learning through what I'm reading is actually – purposeful intentional in changing me to make me better and that leads to the third thing i i read i reflect and then i relate what it is that i'm that i'm reading and reflecting upon to my current circumstances and to the lives of the people um, who i'm who i'm making an investment in so i, I would say that a daily habit for me is to read reflect and relate
2: on, on a daily basis well that's good that's very good last question for halftime and then we're back out uh, for our second half and that last question is this what is your measuring stick to achieve peak performance in this season of your life yeah i think for me boyd the the measuring stick, stick for me uh today in
1: this season of my leadership is is am i helping am i helping people create positive lasting changes in their behavior that benefits themselves their teams and their families. I want I want everything that I'm doing in this season to to be reflective of that of that goal. It's uh, it's really become a filter for me in the opportunities that I say yes to, the opportunities that I say no to, the ability for me to use my strengths in a certain situation. Uh, it it really has become a prioritization
2: filter for me on on what I step into to be able to to use my gifts. That's very good, uh, Shane. What I've picked up during our halftime is uh, very simple before I turn it back over to Christian for our second half is that you're not a short-term leader you are a long-term leader and uh, that's that's good information uh, for us during halftime to to uh, keep in mind and it's not just uh, what happens today it's what what we can do to help people accomplish and get where they want to go for the long haul so what a what a great halftime experience with Shane Christian, I think I'm going to turn it back over to you for the second
0: half. Yeah, and I want I want to stay right here for just a second and on your goals at this season in your life. I think there was something really powerful that needs to be to be said again, and that is uh, on your goals and what you said about your goals. And you know, I don't, I'm not going to touch on what your goal is because your goal is unique to you, and that's important for you. Hmm. What I really want people to understand is. What are their goals that they have for themselves at this season in their life? And what you said that was so powerful, let that goal become the filter to how you interact with others, who you're going to work with, how you're going to proceed through each circumstance that you're going to have in your life. That once you establish what the goal is at this season in your life, it becomes your filter for what you're going to do. Your goal is clearly defined for you, and I'm sure that that everything that you do and when you encounter, you run that through that filter and allows you to be more effective in who you're working with. And that that was just brilliant. Let's move into the second half. And in the second half, we like to talk about learning from adversity and failure. Thomas Edison once said, I have never failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. There is no success without some amount of failure. Great inventors like Thomas Edison experienced a lot of failures on the way to the successful interventions. Can you share with us, Shane, a, one of your biggest failures, one of your biggest adversities, and how did you overcome it? Yeah,
1: I'd be glad to, Christian. I think for me, one of the, one of the biggest failures that I had as a leader was believing that people will follow a leader simply because of the position that he or she has. Back in two thousand and twelve I'd been I'd been stewarding a team here within our organization of, of eight directors and and I thought I was doing a pretty good job. I thought that we were working on processes that were making the organization better. We had some we had some goals that were stretching our team to be able to, to use more of their gifts and I really thought things were going well and, and I sent out an end of the year survey where I just I asked four or five questions of my team on how I was doing as a leader, and the information that I got back was absolutely shocking. Like to be able to, to hear people who I had been leading for, for over a year tell me that they didn't believe that I trusted them, that they didn't trust me, that my agenda trumped what they believed uh, was most important, which was hearing what what they could contribute to the agenda to to get that type of feedback as a as a leader was was really was really demotivating in the moment but here's what i here's what i came to learn i came to learn that that leadership really is about influence the the respect that a leader has because of the investment that he or she is making in his or her team. And so I wasn't making investments in my team. I was giving my team tasks to do. I was giving my team responsibilities to bear. And I was creating an expectation that as long as they were doing what I wanted to do, uh, that that was a win. And there was so much that was left on the table because of the lack of trust that I had built in my team by operating the way in which, in which I had. So how I came out of that was I got real intentional about digging deeper and finding out what were the specific actions and reactions and decisions that I was making as we tried to to do things together as a team to achieve our our goals, what were those specific actions, reaction, decisions that I was making that were causing the team to say, "You you don't see my value. And it was painful. Christian, to be able to sit and have people say, every time I walk into your office, I know that I can ask a question, and and you won't explore why I'm having the question. You'll just start giving me your answer, and, and you really don't even hear me. But it was necessary for me to be able to really value people, to understand where they were coming from. And and it helped me see that I I had said with my mouth that I valued people but I hadn't truly valued people in my heart. And it was a turning point for me to be able to walk through that experience asking each one of those eight directors, how is it that I have missed it with connecting with you in order to be able to help you become your personal best? And uh, and that changed for me the direction of my leadership.
0: Oh, I Again, Shane, talking about someone coming into your office and you sit there as you're in your office and they come to you with a question and you're already giving them the answer, so often we fall into that trap that they're coming to us with the question, not necessarily looking for the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 really want us to work with them and to value them and to work through the question with them. I'm gonna I want to push this uh, I want to push this a little bit further with you, Shane, because we know that you're part of Upward Sports, which is one of the largest Christian-based sports organizations in the United States. And can you give me? Can you maybe share with us a specific, if you wouldn't mind, of where there might have where there might have been some adversity, specifically within that upper sports, or within the sports world, and how you overcame that adversity? What are the steps you took to overcome that adversity in that in running that uh, organization of upper sports?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that that is always a constant in a in a volunteer led organization is is bringing in new volunteers whether we're talking about bringing in new people to uh, to a club who are going to who are going to help us from an administration side or we're talking about coaches who are going to step into a non-paid coaching uh, position, one of the things that we struggled as an organization is is how do we bring in new volunteers and so for us organizationally, I think we got to a place too where where we weren 't listening to what people 's real struggles were when it came to stepping into that into that role and so what we noticed was we were telling people a lot of the a lot of the right things that they needed to be doing, and we weren't giving them enough of the right reasons to be able to step into the opportunity. And so over the last three years, we've really focused in on helping people see the vision and purpose of their role as a coach, and then being able to, to to invite them in to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. You know, when a coach comes in and is surrounded by eight, nine, or ten players that are part of of his or her team, that coach has got an opportunity to not just be successful on the pitch or or on the court or on the field. They've got the opportunity to to achieve really – something truly significant by investing in the character development of every single player. And what we've learned is when we've reshaped that conversation, we are starting to invite people into opportunities just like Volta is doing to be part of something that is truly significant, the transformation of the life of an athlete using the tool of a sport to be able to get there.
0: Wow. Did you guys uh, catch that? Boyd, I don't know if you caught that. If we are relying on our volunteers to have success, then we must be empowering them and investing in them and believing in them that they can bring forth the message that we, that we would like to have be, being brought forth through our sports and our coaching environment. And Shane, that was, that was just brilliant. Thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. Boyd, let's, uh, let's go into that locker room with the legacy questions, of course, unless you want to add a little bit to the uh, second half.
2: Well, as we're walking into the locker room, the, the thing that, that I heard uh, Shane say for the second half was that uh, it's using uh, the tool of sports to help them get there. I think that was a very great line uh, to, to help others understand that it is beyond the X's and O's, and it's uh, using sports to, as, as that tool. I think that was very important. Did I catch that right, Shane? Yes, that's
1: right, Boyd. And I tell you, you know, there is so much value in using this this environment of sports to be able to help young men and women become leaders within their schools and future leaders within their community. Think about this: you can help a you can help a child develop his or her character, regardless if you win or lose the game. Like there is an opportunity in every competition to be able to teach life lessons. And in the end, when you, look at the, when you look at the volume of players who are coming through youth sports that actually end up playing sports professionally, we have to have a bigger purpose than them, than them succeeding at that level because there's too many who are never going to make it there that are going to be in a circle where they can influence change within their school. They are going to be influencing in their circle change within their community or within their role within their business. And if if we can be a part of helping, if we could be a part of helping redirect and change the tra- trajectory of the life of an athlete by the way in which we coach, boy, that to me is that to me is significant.
2: That's gold right there. And I, I think that the, that question led us right into the locker room. So the first question in uh, our locker room, uh, our legacy questions is, can you share with us an aha moment on your journey? Yeah, I think um, for me,
1: the aha moment was was something that I heard John Maxwell say. And, and here's what he said. He said, once you've tasted significance, success will never satisfy And for me, growing up playing sports, growing up um, in in a competitive environment, and always striving to be my personal best, I would define as success. And those were great things. But what really made a difference was when I started looking at how I could leverage my own personal success to create significance for other people. Like that was a game changer. How could I use my platform of success to bring other people into the conversation and create significance for them out of it? And I think that applies to to the coaches that we're working with and the use sports landscape today.
2: Good. Agreed. Agreed. What would you think is uh, your most exciting uh, opportunities that are uh, before you today? What are you most excited about? Yeah, I'm most excited about. Uh,
1: the generation of coaches that we're that we're raising up with this significance mindset you know upward sports has more than 350,000 athletes who are participating in in some 1600 youth sports programs across the country and we're seeing a generation of coaches who are stepping into this reality of the of the power of significance, leaders who are hungry to grow, leaders who are willing to look at their blind spots in order to be better for the people that they influence, and and it's exciting to see that there there is change that is happening. We we see so many negatives in the media, things like the latest NCAA scandal in basketball, that it can it can appear that uh, that we're not achieving positive momentum. But i I want everyone who is listening to this podcast today to know that you are making a difference. You are making a difference one athlete at a time as you are able to separate your ego from the coaching conversation and be able to put your player at the center. You're making a difference when you help that young athlete learn as much from the loss as they do from the win about how to
2: grow as a person. Good, good, good. What do you think that, is something uh, that would be helpful for our listeners in order to help them grow as leaders what would you What would you tell them I think what I would uh, what I would
1: want everyone to know that is, has helped me grow as we talk about influence in, in leadership is that there are three questions that people are asking themselves internally they never voice these. They never voiced these to us. But as a leader, when you and I come with a new opportunity or we are asking people to change, there are three questions that they are asking of themselves. The first question is, do you care for me? The second question is, can you help me? And the third question is, can I trust you? Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to a player and I'm asking that player to change one of his habits on the court, that player is asking, does this coach care for me, or is this really about the coach getting what he wants? Does this, does this coach really know what they're talking about? Like, will this actually help me fulfill my role on the team? Or are they just coaching out of what their last experience was and it was what somebody told them was important? And the third thing, can I, can I trust you, is if I follow through on what you've asked me to do and it doesn't work, are you still going to be there for me? Or are you, are you going to dismiss me? And so that, that happens whether we're talking about the coaching environment on a field, a court, or if we're talking about a business environment where we have people on our team that we're asking to change or go into a new direction. If The more of those questions that we can have them answering yes to before we invite them into the new opportunity or challenge, the more likely they're going to give their greatest effort.
2: And that is worth repeating I think that uh, I want to make sure I heard that uh, correctly, is that the the three questions are, do you care for me? Uh, Another way that maybe that could be said is, do you see me?
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, Number two is, uh, can you help me? And three, can I trust you? Very important. Those should be on the very top of every page that a coach uses before walking into any kind of interaction with a player or a parent uh, or a fellow volunteer uh, in, in, in this case, very good advice for our listeners. Shane, I'm going to turn you back over for our post game with Christian.
0: Shane, this has been a joy today uh, having you on the podcast, and uh, just having you speak into us and some of the exciting things that are happening with Upward Sports and with your uh, with your business and your leadership training that you are doing on a regular basis. And with that in mind, as we go into the post game. Where can our audience learn more about you and what you guys are doing with Upward Sports? Tell us, give us some websites, give us some uh, phone numbers, some emails. What, what, do we, where, How do we get a hold of you? Absolutely. So you could check out Upward Sports at Upward.org.
1: We'd love to be able to talk with any leader out there who's thinking about establishing a new presence in a community, With sports that have a purpose, if you're looking to be able to take sports and make it intentional to be able to develop the character of young athletes, if you go to Upward.org, you'll find information on how we can get started working with you. Or you could call 1-800-585-4721, and we'd be glad to learn more about your story and see how we might be able to help.
0: This has been the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast where each week we interview coaches, sports industry experts, and leadership gurus to mentor you beyond the X's and O's and your quest to achieve peak performance in your professional career, personal life, and with the teams you coach. We hope today's show gave you some valuable lessons to help you make an impact with those that you are around.